Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. Today, we have Spencer Feldman on the show. I've had, had him on many, many times. He's a founder of RemedyLink.com, and I just love his big, fat, juicy brain. I love doing downloads of that brain. And today, we're going to be talking about allergies, autoimmune uh, histamine reactions, and what is going on. You know, why do you, in the phenomenon that me, many people are not aware of that you can have allergic reactions in different body parts, in your brain, in your bladder, um, and just many other body parts and what those, those symptoms look like and the different components of your histamine receptors and how they respond to different types of uh, treatment, uh, how to reduce your, your histamine sensitivity, how to stop your immune system from overreacting. Uh, we talk about all the different uh, like foods that you should avoid that are high histamine. And we also talk about some different solutions. You know, I personally am a big fan of Ness Health Bioenergetics to calm your immune system, calm those histamine reactions, give correct operating instructions to your immune system. So I kind of touch on that because it's, it's difficult to calm the immune system down from overreacting. How in the heck do you do that? And that's something where Nest Health Bioenergetics shines. Um, but you also need to take uh, physical supplements as well. There's lots of things that you can take and supplement with that Spencer reviews to help to calm histamine reactions. And so anyone out there dealing with allergies, uh, histamine, autoimmune, mass cell activation syndrome, another uh, big problem a lot of people are dealing with. Um, anyone dealing with this or you have a loved one dealing with this, you want to listen up to this show because I think a lot of conventional medical doctors are not really giving their patients any answers or relief because they're not understanding what's really going on in the body and how to address it. So really, really important show for you guys suffering because, you know, autoimmune diseases are one of the fastest growing subset of diseases uh, today. And there, there's so many things working against our immune system functioning. We have uh, chemicals, we have uh, heavy metals and, 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 you know, lots of infections. People have low energy production. Uh, people have, you know, they are overrun with uh, different infections that are there to kind of clean up your gut of heavy metals and toxins. And so just a lot of different uh, things that overload and interfere in our immune system functioning, which is why they are failing us. And also another really interesting thing that we talk about is how multiple chemical sensitivity is actually an allergic reaction. You're, you're actually developing an allergic reaction, a histamine response to cigarette smoke or perfumes or the detergent aisle or, or what have you. And so that's really what's going on there. So I thought that was super, super interesting. So lots of great stuff uh, in this show today. So dig in. So I know you guys listening to this show, you are concerned about your heavy metal load, your toxic burden. And so I develop a quiz called heavymetalsquiz.com that you just takes two seconds to take that. And then you get your results of the quiz, you know, and taking the questionnaire only takes a few minutes. And then you get a free video series that answers a lot of your frequently asked questions about how to detox, how long it takes, what, what kind of testing do I do? And what kind of supplements are best for detox? Just lots of lots of your questions answered in that free video series. So check it out at heavymetalsquiz.com. So our guest today is Spencer Feldman. He's a multiple patent holding inventor with more than 20 years experience formulating and manufacturing 
detoxification products for doctors and their patients. His trailblazing use of suppositories to deliver ingredients that would otherwise require intravenous therapy has changed the way many doctors do detox. And the owner and formulator of the RevityLink brand of products, now in his 50s, uh, lives with his partner completely off-grid on his 100-acre farm, where he spends his time tending his orchard and garden while continuing to design new products that help detoxify people in our ever more toxic world. You can learn more about Spencer and his work and even consult with him at remedylink.com. Spencer Feldman, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Well, thanks for having me, Wendy. So we have a super interesting show today. So you wanted to talk about you know, different types of immune system overreactions and allergies that we can have in really any part of the body. So why don't you give us a little overview of what you want to talk about? Sure. So I'd like to talk about what high histamine does in the body and how you detoxify it. And I got into this because I have a friend who uh, we determined had a lot of mold sensitivities. <laughs> and so I'm looking into it and I'm like, okay, it's a histamine response. And then I find out that a lot of people have histamine responses that you wouldn't think are, are allergies, but they are uh, a brain allergy, uh, an allergy in the uterus, leaving causing PMS, an allergy in the heart causing, you know, arrhythmias and such. So I want to get into the sort of this deep dive into what happens when you have high histamine and all the weird kind of symptoms you can get and then how you can deal with it. So let's start with, you know, one of the most common issues that people have is they have a histamine issue. So what are histamines and what are they doing in the body? Okay. So uh, histamines are both uh, a neurotransmitter and a hormone. And they are one of the compounds the body uses to well, do, do a lot of things. It's part of the immune response. Uh, it's also part of the way we regulate our neurotransmitters. When most people think about histamine, you know, they think about an allergic reaction in the skin or the sinus, like uh, an insect bite, you know, mosquito bite is, or welts or hives uh, or hay fever, right? That's something we know. But it, what's, and what was news to me is you can have a histamine reaction in the brain, in the heart, the reproductive system, the bone marrow, the uterus, the pro anywhere in the body you can have it. And so I wanted to understand more about what was going on. And this is what I found out. So there are histamine receptors all throughout the body, and there's four classes of them, thankfully named H1, H2, H3, and H4. H1 and H2 receptors, they go to the skin, the gut, and the lungs, and that's the classic allergy symptoms, right? Itchy or painful skin and difficulty breathing and gut allergies. What's less well-known is that they also can go to the muscles, sorry, the H1 and H2 receptors, you also find them in the muscles, the joints, the heart, the nerves, the reproductive system. That means really well, the, what that plays out as is someone can have an allergic heart or an allergic prostate or uterus or an allergic bladder. So how does this manifest, right? Well, if the allergic reaction happens in, when an allergic reaction happens in the skin, we recognize it as itching, swelling, red, itchy, painful. But there are no itch receptors once you get past the skin and the mucous membrane. So it's not itching, but it's the same phenomena going on. And it's an, it's, a, it's an itch that your body is desperately asking you to scratch, but you, know, you can't get to it. Uh, so it causes uh, symptoms. 
So in the case of the muscles and the joints, you get muscle and joint pain. Um, if the histamine receptors in the heart get activated, you can get high or low blood pressure, dizziness, arrhythmias, and in the nerves, you can have chronic uh, nerve pain or irritation or even um, peripheral neuropathy. In the prostate or uterus, you can have prostate enlargement, uh, PMS. Now, for women specifically, high histamine can cause uh, infertility uh, reversible, but infertility and miscarriages. One of the things that happen as a, happens as a woman gets pregnant is she increases diamine oxidase 500-fold, which is the enzyme that breaks down histamine, because if you have high histamine, the body is going to react against the, uh, the fetus. You have a miscarriage. And a lot of women who think they're infertile or are having trouble conceiving, they're just having miscarriages really quickly, like the way an IUD works. An IUD doesn't stop pregnancy. It just basically causes very, very, very early miscarriages. So histamine can act like that. And so there's a lot of couples out there who are trying to get pregnant and they can't because the woman's histamine is, is up. If a woman feels better from any of her symptoms when she gets pregnant, that's because the enzyme, the diamine oxidase, the breaks down histamine is increasing and it is, in, it is increasing specifically so she doesn't have a miscarriage, but then she gets the corollary benefit of having all the other histamine in the body go down. In the case of the bladder, you could end up with interstitial cystitis uh, or pain during urination, like a burning feeling. Now, that's just the H1 and H2 receptors. There's two more. There's H3 and H4. Now, the H3 receptor goes in the central nervous system, and that's the brain and the spinal cord. And here's where it gets a little tricky. So hang on. High histamine in the brain, in the, in the body, is inflammation, which is annoying, right? Tissue swells, and it either itches or hurts or just um, gives you other weird symptoms. And I heard that when you have brain inflammation, you can have almost like a buzzing feeling or feeling kind of like stimulated or ringing in your ears and things like that when you're dealing with inflammation. Yeah. So the, the thing about the brain is it has no nerve ending. So if something's happening in the brain, you can't feel that, but you can feel the blood vessels in the skull and around. Well, that, that's probably what someone's feeling or again in the ears. Now, um, there's a reason why I say shoulder injuries take so long to heal. It's a it's there's it, it's very packed in tightly and there's nowhere for the swelling to go, right? If someone gets a bruise on the forearm, right? It swells up, it goes through its healing process, the swelling goes down. And the shoulder, there's no place for the swelling to go. It stops, you know, the blood flow gets disturbed and it takes a long time to repair. And even more so in the brain, right? There's no place, there's no place in the brain for the brain to go when it swells and expands. So it's very, it's deadly, right? So the brain must be protected from swelling. So you absolutely, you can't, Having high histamine in the brain is, is a, a deadly phenomenon. You know, it's very dangerous. So the brain has this thing called the H3 receptor. And what it does is when the bot, when the blood level of histamine goes up, the H3 receptor lowers histamine in the brain. So you get this kind of paradoxical thing, high histamine in the body, but then low histamine in the brain. And this is the, 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 the issue, right? When you have the H3 receptors get activated in the brain and the histamine in the brain goes down, well, that's what's releasing your neurotransmitters. So you can have a, a crash of all your neurotransmitters because there's no histamine in the brain to release them. And you could be chasing supplements, trying to boost your neurotransmitters till the end of time. It won't matter if it doesn't get released from the correct level of histamine. Now, there's a, another issue, and there's something called a constitutive activity. And the way receptors are supposed to work is that they're supposed to be off and then they get triggered and then they turn on and then they do their job and then they turn off. 
But there are some people who have a genetic flaw called constitutive activity where the receptors are always on a little bit. Now, some people have the H3 receptor that's always on. It's always dropping their brain histamine. They're always having a low level of um, neurotransmitters in the brain. So if a person has high blood histamine, maybe from diet, and we can go into that, uh, or their immune system is a little out of whack, we can go into that, and or they have this thing called constitutive activity, then the H3 receptors are acting too much and you get what I would call an allergic brain. So let's just talk about what an allergic brain would cause. So histamine regulates the release of neurotransmitters like acetylcholine, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, and GABA. Now, how would this play out if these things start dropping down? Okay, you got the general symptoms like headaches and brain fog and difficulty waking up in the morning, difficulty with hot or cold weather, you can't regulate your temperature very well, vertigo and nausea. Those are kind of general symptoms. And then you've got specific things, right? So low acetylcholine makes it hard to learn things or to remember. Low dopamine decreases motivation and the extreme causes Parkinson's. Low serotonin leads to depression. Low, low norepinephrine leads to difficulty focusing in ADHD and low GABA makes it hard to get to sleep. An allergic brain, Wendy, who would have thought you could have an allergic brain? Yeah, I know exactly. I mean, you don't really think about these things. You think more of like having, you know, sniffles and, and runny nose and, and sneezing and things like that. And, you know, uh, allergies to mold and pollens and things like that. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, it's, it's one of those things. I think that's why I wanted to have you on the show to kind of illuminate what is really going on with people. Cause I think there's also because of so many stimulants to our immune system or like, you know, heavy metals and environmental toxins, all these things that, uh, improperly stimulate our immune system and suppress our immune system contribute to this kind of immunity chaos that so many people are dealing with today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there's one more uh, receptor we should talk about, and that's the H4 receptor. And this goes into the bone marrow and the immune cells. It, so when the H4 receptor gets activated, you can get all sorts of immune issues. And the, this is the main receptor found on mast cells. And now mast cells are the main producers of histamine in the body. And you know, whereas most of us didn't know what mast cells were you know, a little while ago, Mast cell activation system, uh, syndrome is now becoming something that uh, more and more people are aware of as an issue. So here's what happens. When there's too much histamine in the body, the H4 receptors in the mast cell cause the mast cells to infiltrate into the tissue, right? So you've got, it's, a, it's an amplifying cycle. Let's say somebody has some gut uh, histamine. The H4 receptors are going to make the mast cells enter into the gut tissue where they're going to generate more histamine, which is then going to call in more mast cells, which is going to generate more histamine, right? So the body is trying to mount a defense against parasites, basically. That's, that's a lot of what, um, you know, uh, this type of cells are aiming to, to deal with, because historically, you know, in the wild, we, you know, most wild animals are heavily parasitized. So it's trying to overcome a parasitic infection but it's not a parasite, right? What it is, is it's a food allergy or something. And so since we're constantly exposed to it, that cycle never ends. And they just keep getting more and more mast cells infiltrating, more and more histamine, more and more receptors in different parts of the body get activated and it just cascades from there. So if we're gonna 
help this tissue and help the person with their symptoms, we've got to stop this allergic and inflammatory cycle. We've got to get the mast cells to leave. And to do that, we've got to stop triggering their H4 receptors with histamine. Now, it's not just histamine that triggers mast cells. Like I said, parasites, also viruses, bacteria, mold, insect venom. So uh, these are all triggers to the mast cells. So if we have a, a chronic infection with any of these things, and remember, the gut is not infected, right? It's colonized. But if the microbiome is off, that colonization becomes an infection. So a lot of people are walking around with guts full of bacteria that shouldn't be there, and it's a chronic infection that is dragging and inactivating all the mast cells. So and here's something else that's crazy I didn't know about. Injury will trigger mast cells, including concussions. And that doesn't mean a concussion that necessarily knocks you unconscious, right? Uh, just, just you know, whiplash will do it. So now you could have someone who was in a motor vehicle accident, they got whiplash. And they that means that the, the head, the brain slammed back and forth in the skull and had some injury. Now, mast cells are part of the injury repair mechanism, right? There's inflammation. Uh, as an example, in the initial part of the healing price, uh, process, mast cells are what pull the cut wound edges together, right? So when someone gets a cut on their skin, the mast cells actually stitch, they close it for you to a degree, right? To the degree they can't, you get stitches. So they're pulling it together. So they're part of the natural healing mechanism, but it can become dysfunctional. So in the brain, you can have somebody that gets a concussion or a head injury, the mast cells start going into the brain, they cause the blood brain barrier to start getting leaky. And if that healing doesn't resolve perfectly, uh, especially if they get a second injury before the healing's done. That that's that's real bad news. A brain injury on top of an unhealed brain injury is really hard. To, uh, it's very challenging for the body to recover from it if it gets interrupted like that in its healing process. So you know the, the all these mast cells start infiltrating the brain from a, a whiplash injury, and now the brain is hypersensitized because of the mast cells, and then the histamine starts getting released, and then the H three receptors turn on. And then all the neurotransmitters crash and the person never quite figures out that that whiplash that they got is causing them all these psychological challenges they're experiencing. Yeah, really, really interesting. And I think so many people today are, are have head injuries and they just kind of, the doctors aren't really looking at the kind of the after effects of that and really not doing a lot for uh, concussions or people that are, that are having head injuries or kind of like, oh, let's just keep an eye on it. And uh, just really a, a big problem. I have a, a lot of uh, actually friends I'm treating right now that have head injuries and using various things uh, to address that. But um, so what what is the next step here? So what well, is kind of the next concept you want to talk about when it comes to, you know, allergic reactions and histamine reactions in the body? Well, before I, I get into how we can start to clear it, there's one other thing that I think we should address, and that's Lyme disease. And you know, some 14% of the world's population has an active or, or chronic tick-borne disease. And a lot of them have no idea it's causing their problems. Now, Lyme is a, a, a particularly strange uh, infection, right? Uh, it has three strategies. It's it's real, the white, the immune system can completely destroy a Lyme spirochete if they can catch it. It gives it to, so what the Lyme spirochetes do, their strategy is they cloak themselves so the Lyme, the immune system can't see it. And that's why you need to get the microbiome online because it uncloaks bacteria. So it cloaks itself so they can't see it. It has a dual propeller 
propulsion system. So it's 500 times faster than our own white blood cells. And it makes a beeline straight to immune privileged tissue. Now, immune privileged tissue is tissue that the body says, hey, I am not going to mount an immune response here because the collateral damage is worse than the infection, right? If somebody cuts, gets an infection in their skin, the immune system goes after it because if the skin swells, uh, no big deal, skin cells replace themselves quickly. But take something like the brain. Swelling is very dangerous in the brain and nerve cells take a long time to repair. So the brain is what's called immune privileged tissue, as are the testes and other parts and some other parts of the body. And so the goal of the immune system in immune privileged tissue is say, I'm not going to try to kill this infection, but I am going to try to make it go to sleep and it can have me when I'm dead. So my, my belief is that people who have chronic Lyme are those in whom their immune privileged tissue is unable to cause the infection to go to sleep. And so then you have a response there where you don't want one. And what kind of response do you find with the immune system? You find histamine. So I think what's going on is people who have um, Lyme disease are dealing with the neurologic aspects of it that they're dealing with uh, is from the histamine in the brain that the body is then generating as a response to the Lyme infection. There is a connection between dysregulated mast cells and Lyme disease. So then now that I've kind of expressed the, the nature of the problem, you know, this elephant in the room that none of us were really able to deal with, what do we do, right? And the first thing you might think is, well, how about if we take some antihistamine drugs, right? I remember taking Benadryl as a kid uh, for, you know, a, a skin rash. Um, I think I had some on me for um, chicken pox once. So there's four issues with the current medical model in relationship to histamine. The first is a lot of uh, doctors aren't going to make the connection between some of these other tissues uh, and histamine, like the heart or the reproductive organs or the brain or the bladder. You know, a lot of doctors don't think that, hey, that could be a histamine problem. If you have a doctor that does know that that could be related, right, uh, then there are well-tolerated antihistamines for H1 and H2 receptors. We have things for you know, acid reflux in the stomach, which is a histamine issue, and for hay fever and for skin and skin things, that's H1 and H2. But for H3 and H4, that's for the um, brain, the central nervous system, and the immune system. There are drugs, there are antihistamines, but they have a lot of side effects and they really require a specialist to oversee them. Now, another issue is while antihistamines can be very effective at resolving symptoms, they don't, under, uh, they don't address the underlying cause of the dysfunction. And in one to three weeks, a person can start developing a tolerance to them, and then you have to increase the dose. And fourth, even um, the well-tolerated antihistamines have been shown to have side effects over time. There's an increase in certain types of cancers and also infertility. So what are other options that we have? Well, first, what's the person allergic to, right? If it's food, or if that's one of the things you're allergic to, avoiding the offending food is very helpful. Uh, an elimination diet can help you figure this out, but if you can afford it, there's also a blood tests that'll measure your immunoglobulin response to, you know, two to 300 common foods. Turns out I'm allergic to figs, which is uh, disappointing because I got six fig trees that I planted years ago and are very prolific, but okay. Uh, figs go on the, uh, dried figs go um, in the holiday gift basket to people. So, <laughs> Uh, um, let's get, let me 
kind of go back to the friend who who had the, uh, this uh, mold allergy and kind of where I went with her because she was um, she was patient zero, right? She's how I figured all this stuff out. So these are the clues I had to work with. In Oregon, there's a pretty bad smoke season. So she would get worse during smoke season. She would get worse if she cooked food over a propane stove, not electric. She got worse when the weather was wet. And she got about 30% better when we addressed her microbiome. Well, what do these things have in common? Well, three of them are airborne, right? And then we'll get to the microbiome in a minute. All right, an airborne allergy. So what's in the air we can react to? Well, 70% of homes have mold. That's why it got worse in the wet weather. Uh, 80% of homes have uh, dust mites. If she never dusted the house, she, uh, she would get sick. Uh, propane. Okay, here's an interesting one. So propane itself has no smell, but they have to put something in there. So there's a, if there's a propane leak, you'll know. So they put something called mercaptan in. And uh, mercaptan is a sulfur-based chemical. And so what happens is when you burn propane, a little bit of sulfur dioxide is created. And some people become allergic to sulfur dioxide. Uh, pollen is an issue, like a quarter of the U.S. population has such bad pollen reactions that they actually get diagnosed with pollen allergies every year. And then you've got pollution. And this is mostly, you know, industry and uh, vehicle exhaust, uh, volatile organic compounds, particulates, nitrogen oxides, um, especially diesel. And these all trigger histamine. So if you live in a city or someplace industrial or by a major highway, that can do it. So what can we do for this woman? Okay. So she cooked with propane. So uh, she was able to get a vented hood that would pull the combusted gas out of the out of the kitchen for her. Uh, what about the dust mites? Uh, HEPA filters in every room. And that's the dust mites and mold. Now, this helped, but it wasn't enough. So I did a bit of a deeper dive. And I found that in addition to avoiding allergic foods and improving air quality, there's four things that I want to do to help somebody. And so here, here they come. Okay. The first thing is you want to reprogram the immune system so the body stops reacting to allergies. And there's a way to do this, but it takes some time. So you also want to suppress the biochemical creation of histamine from the dietary amino acid histidine. And there's ways to do that. But even so, some histamine will still be created. So then you want to stabilize the mast cells and basophils and other cells that are releasing the histamine. But some of that will still be released. So then you've still got some excess histamine in the bloodstream. And to do that, you want to raise the levels of diamine oxidase, which is the enzyme that breaks down histamine in the blood. And so this is how I did it. To reprogram the immune system, you can actually use rosemary, or more specifically, rosmarinic acid. And there's a study that showed that it would cause T cells that had been inappropriately programmed to an allergic response to, apt to go through apoptosis or to um, self-destruct, um, but they'd leave the rest of the immune system alone. So it wasn't a across the board immune suppressant, which would be very dangerous. And there are drugs that will do that. It was very selective at going after dysregulated T cells, the ones that had the memory of the immunity. Another one is uh, EGCG, which is a green tea extract. Uh, and what that does is it suppresses the enzyme histamine decarboxylase, which is what turns histidine into histamine. If you're going to do green tea extract, get the decaffeinated one, because normal green tea extract has a lot of caffeine and 
caffeine raises histamine. Okay, what else? Quercetin is something that will stabilize mast cells and basophils, so they are less likely to reduce or to release the histamine they're storing. And then finally, you've got the enzyme I mentioned a few times, diamine oxidase. What diamine oxidase does is it breaks down histamine and other toxic amines. And this is where the gut comes into play. If someone doesn't have a good microbiome, they're making toxic amines. They're making uh, cadaverine and putrescine from the clostridium bacteria. And not only do those toxic amines take up some of the use of the diamine oxidase to break them down, they actually make diamine oxidase less functional. They, they, they degrade its, its ability. All right. So that's why it's really important as part of this to, you know, you could try our Panaceum product, but something to uh, keep the microbiome happy and healthy. Now, the challenge is the quercetin and diamine oxidase aren't very bioavailable. Now, they're great taken oral if you have gut allergies, and by all means, use them. But what happens if it's an airborne allergy? Or what happens if the gut allergy triggers something, histamine in the gut triggers an allergy inside the bloodstream? If the histamine gets into the bloodstream, then swallowing it and having it in the gut won't be that helpful. What you need is you need to get the quercetin and the diamine oxidase into the bloodstream. So I made them as a liposomal. And what was the result? If she takes a spoonful in the morning, rather than sleeping till 10 o'clock and then waking up groggy and then finally getting some energy around four o'clock in the day, uh, she'll take a spoonful and when she wakes up in the morning and five, 10 minutes later, she's out of bed and she's starting her day. It was actually surprising how fast that was. And if you want, we make a product that contains all those things called Testament, because when I realized how useful it was for her and how many people probably had something similar, you know, I wasn't just, you know, going to help one person and, and nobody else. So that's where we're at so far with this. The, so in retrospect, what was going on for her is she probably has two genetic uh, issues. One, she probably doesn't make enough diamine oxidase internally to break down the histamine she has. Two, she's probably one of those people that has a constitutive activity. That means that her her, trans, her receptors are in the a constant low level of activity, even when they shouldn't be. Now, if any of this sounds like it might be something you're going through, in addition to the product we make, here's some things you could do, right? Have you ever tried uh, lowering the histamine in your diet, Wendy? Have you ever played around with that? You know, I have, and I have a pretty solid immune system because I do uh, Nest Health Bioenergetics, which modulates mm -hmm. your immune system. So mm -hmm. I just don't, I, I've never really had uh, problems with that. Nice. So if someone's listening and they're like, hey, I, this is me, uh, here's some things you could do right off the bat. Um, you have to decrease the dietary histamine. Now, refrigerators are wonderful, but they mean that most of us are eating leftovers <laughs> a lot of times. Because the longer a food sits around, the more histamine is created from bacteria. So, um, you know, the fresher the food, the better. Uh, limit fish. Fish, unless you just caught it right then and there, turns in, or creates histamine very quickly. Uh, some fish are better than others, clearly. Limit canned food. Again, that's a high histamine food. Uh, limit fermented food. The bacteria uh, in the fermentation process will, in most ferments, raise histamine. Um, and then there's things that will release histamine. They don't have histamine in them, but they sensitize the mast cells for releasing it. They're the opposite of quercetin. They cause the, the uh, mast cells and the basophils to let go of histamine. And that'll be things like citrus uh, and some other types of food. So uh, you can go online and get a list of the high histamine and histamine-reducing foods. 
Um, the other thing, obviously, um, get good air filtration where you live and work. Some things that can trigger it would be cold weather can trigger a histamine uh, reaction. Uh, so can physical vibration, uh, even excessive sun. Some people become allergic to the sun. The UV is triggering a histamine reaction in them. Getting control of histamine, is, it's a fundamental part of being able to improve our health. It's something that isn't really talked about much beyond gut, skin, and lungs. Um, but I hope now uh, in the people listening to this understand that uh, a lot of the symptoms that they may have uh, may very well be uh, histamine related. For instance, um, histamine goes up because di diamine oxidase goes down during the menses. So if, uh, if a woman is having difficulty during her menstrual cycle, she could have an allergic uterus, right? She might have, be having a histamine reaction in the uterus. There's really no part of the body that can't end up with an allergic reaction. And as you said before, um, because of the way we've um, uh, insulted the immune system with all the chemicals, uh, a lot of us are dealing with this now. Yeah, I think food sensitivities and allergies and, and autoimmune diseases, all these immune system malfunctions are absolutely on the rise. You know, autoimmune is the fastest growing subset of diseases. But yeah, I think uh, so many people are dealing with this, which is why I wanted to have you on and, and talk about this in detail. And so, uh, and also one thing I wanted to just contribute to this conversation is that it's it's difficult to maybe fix and direct the immune system. And so again, I, I urge people to, to try bioenergetics, uh, specifically a program that we offer called NES Health, NES Health. There's nothing I've ever seen that modulates your immune systems and calms food sensitivities, calls, calms immune system reactions because it feeds correct operating instructions essentially to your immune system and, and stops these, uh, these, these reactions. But you need to do stuff physically as well, uh, like the, the product that you're offering. So can you tell us a little bit uh, more about it in detail? Sure. So the product is called Tessamet, and it's the four things that I made for this young lady. It's the rosmaranic acid to selectively uh, prune the dysfunctional T cells that have got it in their minds that allergens are parasites <laughs> or problems, right? It's got the EGCG, which is uh, there to um, support the body in minimizing the transition of dietary histidine into histamine. Then we have the quercetin, which uh, there are a number of things you can use to stabilize mast cells, um, but quercetin is the one I like. It has that some of the other ones have side effects and you have to be careful when you use them. So quercetin is great. Um, again, you have to make it liposomal, otherwise it's not gonna get the bloodstream where you want it. And then it's the DAO enzyme. It's that actual enzyme that uh, the body should be making to break down histamine. And in a lot of cases, people just don't make enough of it. And, you know, there's, so you, you mentioned chemical sensitivities. So yes, there's a connection there. And so what histamine does is uh, it increases the permeability. So it allows things to uh, move back and forth where maybe they shouldn't. And one of the things I started realizing about chemical sensitivity is, and histamine is both have a, can uh, increase your sense of smell because they're um, uh, they're basically opening everything up. So someone who's got chemical sensitivities, that can make histamine reactions worse and uh, histamine reactions can make chemical sensitivities worse. And so you can get the two of them playing off on each other. So um, yeah, it's, you know, mast cells are, are very ancient, right? They predate uh, antibodies in terms of evolutionarily when they came into to animals. So they're a very ancient um, part of our immune system. 
And they're there to deal with these infections. And a, and a lot of it has to do with also uh, parasites, which were until recently for humanity, a huge problem. Still is a problem, but not like it used to be. And so, you know, the mast cells, they're like a very powerful, but not necessarily a really up-to-date. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't, like you said, reprogramming. The mast cells are, are running on an old programming system of protect the body from parasites. It hasn't quite figured out we have... We can mostly cook our food and have indoor plumbing and much better hygiene and don't walk around barefoot all the time anymore. So it it hasn't got the message yet. It's, it's still dealing on the must stop parasites, you know, single mindedly. And um, that hypersensitivity to parasites plays out as, in modern day as a hypersensitivity to chemicals. So, yeah, that's, that's... that's something getting the chemicals out of the body to re so that the immune system can can focus on what it needs to is important. Yeah, that's really, really interesting that you mentioned that, that the mast cells are now after the chemicals. Because There's so many people listening, and this is myself as well, where I could not stand cigarette smoke. I couldn't stand perfume. I just felt like, oh, this, this perfume is like secondhand smoke. It's yeah. a new secondhand smoke. And I think there's a lot of people out there dealing with uh, these uh, reactions to like cleaners and, and other things. They, they can't walk through the, you know, the, the detergent aisle, the laundry detergent aisle at the stores because they're just reacting to everything. So we make the Xenoplex product, which is the phase one and phase two detoxifier for chemicals and have, and, and you know, I used to have multiple chemical sensitivities. I don't know. I made the product originally for me. And so I was always wondering, I'm like, how is it that someone reacts to the chemicals that quickly? I always think, I always thought, wow, it's almost like an allergy because if you get the chemical in you, yes, it's causing problems, but you know, the, the inflammation, the, all of these things that happen when you have chemical react, chemical sensitivity, it seemed like it was an allergic reaction. And now I realize, oh, it, it is exactly an allergic reaction. There's a connection there between, you know, chemical toxicity and mast cell activation. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't have that anymore either. I think now that mm. I've gotten a lot of these toxins out and I've calmed down my immune system that I don't, I, I'm not sensitive to it anymore. It doesn't bother me. Like it used to, it doesn't give me the headaches and things mm. like that, that I used to, that I used to get. Um, so really, really interesting conversation here. So a lot of connections, a lot of dots being connected here. So anything else that you want to add to this conversation? You know, I used to think that metals were the main cause of, of, of most people's sickness. And I, I still do, still believe that metals play an enormous role. One of the things I would tell people about metal toxicity is, you know, unless you're getting something like um, uh, a Genova diagnostics test that's going to test all of them. I mean, even the weird ones like thallium and uranium and gadolidium, you're not really going to know if you have metal toxicity, right? And I, I'm a fan of testing by protocol. And what I mean by that is, Take the protocol that will that if it helps that that would help you if you have the issue. Now, there's a reason why traditional uh, why modern medicine doesn't test by protocol. It's because the protocols are fraught with side effects. Right? You're not going to say, "Hey, let me give you this one really intense H3 receptor antagonist for your depression. Maybe it'll help." Because if you're wrong, you've just given someone a, 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 you know, something that can really throw their body off. But in the alternative community, um, I like the idea of testing by protocol because the things that we're offering usually won't cause any problems, right? There are some things that will push you out of balance if you have that particular imbalance. So it still has to be done with a degree of sophistication. But 
For instance, if you think someone's got chemical toxicity, you can just, rather than spend $500 on a multiple chemical analyses, you could just give them something, Xenoplex or whatever it is you choose as your protocol, and see if they get better. And if they do, there's your positive, right? If you if you think someone might have gadolidium poisoning, we make a product called Captamet, which is, I mean, we, we spoke about it, I think it'll get discussed in your September class, right? The, all the heavy metals, the ultra heavy metals at the bottom of the periodic table, the actinides, the lanthanides, the radioactives, we are exposed to them. They're in a well water, they're in imaging, and they cause all sorts of problems, but most people are never going to know if that's it. Testing by protocol is a very valid way to go about doing things, right? So one thing you can consider is if you think that histamine might be behind some of the symptoms you have, if you take something that addresses the T-cell dysregulation, the conversion of histidine to histamine, stabilizing the mast cells and increasing the diamine oxidase, and if that helps within 5, 10, 20 minutes, you know, uh, there's different time frames where, where things happen, right? So mast cells release things at different time scales. Some things get released in minutes, some in, some in seconds, some in minutes, some in hours. But if you were to take something that would work at all four of those levels, and within the day, suddenly you're feeling a lot better, that's probably a lot easier than finding an immunologist, not that one shouldn't, but finding an immunologist, getting a referral, and then doing some very expensive, uh, time-consuming tests. And then what do you do with that information? You still got to work with it, right? So I like testing by protocol, assuming you've got something that won't harm you if you're, if you're off mark. Yeah, I agree. That's why we stopped doing a lot of functional medical tests and just stuck to like the the heavy metals testing because I think that, you know, you can try things like that. You can try a supplement and see if it works based on your symptoms and and that can reveal a lot of information about what's going on with you. So I I totally agree. And there's I think there's a lot of issues with accuracy of functional medical tests as well. Uh that I think a lot of people don't don't talk about. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, as a general rule women tend to be more sensitive to test life protocol than men. You know, they're more in touch with their body, sicker people more than healthy people. So, you know, you could have someone who um, has an issue and you test life protocol and they just can't tell because their symptom is just, they're, they're having issues, but they don't have symptoms. So the, the prerequisite for testing my protocol is that you, you are symptomatic, right? You've got a person has the joint pain, it goes away. The person has terrible PMS, it goes away. They have brain fog and headaches, it goes away. So if you have the symptoms, that's the time you can do. It's when you have these people, God bless them, that, you know, and it's an older generation typically, that are so genetically solid that they have all these things going on and they just don't, they have no symptoms. They, you can't do it with them. But for, unfortunately, the modern generation, uh, testing my protocol, you could definitely do. Well, Spencer, thanks so much for joining us today for the show. And why don't you tell the listeners what your website is and where can they can find you? And can they consult with you too? Sure. So the website is remedylink.com, R-A-M-E-D-Y-L-I-N-K.com. Uh, the product we were discussing today was Tessamet. We do offer consultations and, you know, I'm uh, happy to talk to anyone who thinks that uh, this might be something that's going on for them because, you know, nothing makes me happier than having a, a phone call from someone or an email saying, wow, you know, sick for 20 years or, and now we're feeling better. That's, that's just that's just the best part of the day, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I love being in this space and the detox space that has the capacity to help so many people, because I, I believe it's the root cause of, of so many health issues. You know, like it's 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 crazy, like 20 percent of fatal cardiac events are due to lead toxicity and you know, the majority of diabetes is caused by arsenic. And there's just so you can just go down the whole list of 
metals and toxins and list off the research that shows that the these toxins are a, a huge underlying root cause of our chronic health issues and growing ones like, like allergies and autoimmune. So Spencer, thanks for coming on the show. And everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Myers She Talks podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. And I just uh, really um, just thrilled to do this work and, and so happy to have so many people tuning in every month and every week. And uh, so I excuse the, uh, the jackhammer out there. I really apologize. Nothing I can do about it. Um, but anyways, I'll see you guys on the next podcast. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.